Hola, this is Maria Plata, and I am here to tell you all about the random things I learn every day. I am a mom, a wife, a teacher, a highly sensitive person, and just a creative soul who wants to share my day-to-day learning with you. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, and let's get talking. All right. Hello. We are here with my friend Keely, and I am so excited to have this conversation. Before we get started, Keely, is there anything you want to say to introduce yourself? Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> so, um, my name is Keely Bruner. I have three children. They're eight, five, and two. And so that's what takes most of my time and energy these days. Um, I am working towards uh, postpartum doula certification. But I think for the purposes of our conversation today, I think is about sort of everyday creativity and how we find inspiration in, um, you know, everyday life, especially with the hustle and bustle of being a parent. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. And it goes straight to my first question, um, which I have to kind of give this backstory a little bit. Uh, when I started this whole like creativity, um, deep dive or whatever you want to call it, I put on Facebook, hey everyone, I'm going to start this HSP creative project. And I put stuff on Facebook all the time, like for fun to see who, you know, who latches onto what. And I was not like shocked in a bad way, but just so excited and surprised that you reached out to me and you were like, oh, I would love to join in on this. Like I'm all about creativity. And I, I don't want to say it was the first time, but it was one of the first times that someone had like reached out to me in that way. And I'm like, there are other people like me out there. Um, I think a lot of times we get so busy in our own lives that it's hard for us to try new things or to say, yes, I'd love to do that. So um, I just want to say like that was awesome. And that kind of ignited our friendship, I would say. For sure. Yeah, no. And I think, um, too, like it's hard to put yourself out there, which is something I had been trying to do, but I didn't want to just like post these creative endeavors that I was doing just sort of for my whole news feed because I thought oh not everybody's gonna care and I don't you know I didn't know how it would be received and so um, I had started kind of a private group which of course you're part of and it's it was just for a different type of creative work people could post uh, pictures of, of photos they had taken or art they had done or you know things they had written and it wasn't getting a lot of interaction and it, it really isn't even now um, I'm not doing it because uh, as you say it's busy uh, people you know it's very hard to find kind of time and inspiration in the midst of all the busyness especially around the pandemic and um, just everything that's going on right now it's really hard to do it and so when I saw your post I was like oh my gosh that's perfect is this the type of thing I would love to be part of you know a group of people who are just trying to find a way to express themselves and you know, kind of let that creativity happen when uh, it's so challenging to to bring it about and to have a place to share it that feels safe and and like it'll be accepted and appreciated. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm so happy that like you reached out and I <laughs> I know like with the pandemic, like at that I remember that point being, I mean we had gone it was almost like what like a year or I don't know when they started. I don't I, everything's kind of all over the place. So I just remember feeling very much like is there anybody else out there? <laughs> like, am I the only one? And, you know, like it felt like that, especially having a newborn. And right, I mean, you right. have a two-year-old, so you kind of were in the same kind of like boat or whatever people are saying these days. Like, 
what is it like you're in the same storm but not the same boat or that's right. what I've been hearing lately. I'm like you're kind of like in a similar boat as mine yeah, yeah. And so I, I think it was just really really cool to kind of see how creativity helps you connect with others um yeah. so I'll just go ahead and ask my first question which is what does creativity mean to you yeah so um I guess in the past few years in particular, um, it's become a lot more important to me to find and to express the creativity that I have in myself. And I think part of it is just a reframing. Sometimes it's just um, being able to think of something outside the ordinary uh, restrictions you might have, whether it's a sleeping problem with a baby or mm -hmm. like whether it's something like that or how can I possibly get um, us all fed in a week, you know, having a creativity to make a table of meal planning or something like this is, um, I think all of those ways are very practical manifestations of just being willing to look at a problem um, as something, you know, to be solved rather than something just like, oh, to get through or, oh, it's just um, this difficult thing I have to figure out when am I going to get laundry done? When am I going to, you know, go to the store or whatever? And being willing to look at things in a couple of different ways and, and try out different solutions for me is all a big part of, of utilizing creativity. Um, and I think so for me, that's probably the most pragmatic um, application of it. But as well, um, you know, a friend of mine and I went through a program, and I've told you this, I'm a total proselyte for The Artist Way by Julia So I still have that book on my queue, by the way. I just, like, yeah. I got to get those morning pages done, and I'm just not in the time of my life. Like, <laughs> no. it will happen soon-ish. It will. <laughs> it will. Eventually, it will. I feel like if you just kind of keep trying it and testing it and seeing, is it time yet? No, I'm not there yet. That's yeah. okay, you know. That's okay. My, many mornings go that I don't do it either. Um, what we're talking about is the... Morning Pages, which is an idea from Artist Way, which is taking 20, 30 minutes in the morning to journal some of your um, thoughts and whatever you're uh, kind of facing. And it doesn't have to make any sense. It's ideally something that doesn't get read at any point by anyone. It's just for, you know, processing what's inside your head. And so um, <laughs> I've got a buddy. He's, he just wants to say hi. Hi. Oh, good morning. <laughs> okay. Big guy. Yeah, you're a big guy. Okay, go on out. So, mommy. <laughs> yeah, mommy. Dad, big guy. Mm -hmm. I'm a big guy. guy. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. <laughs> he's not dull. He's a big guy. So, you know, so that's uh, sort of the idea behind morning pages. And it's really difficult sometimes to find that energy in the morning, especially we just got back from being gone for the whole summer um and it's been difficult this week just to kind of transition back to our ordinary rhythm so um i haven't done them you know very much this week but when i have i've appreciated it so much because it helps me kind of compartmentalize in my head like oh that's you know this type of problem and i might can do this it brings people to mind that I'm like, oh, I need to text that person or it's her birthday or it's her, you know, um, her baby's birthday or something like this will come up to me sometimes when I write the date. And so I appreciate having that. And honestly, a lot of the time it's just boring stuff that's not even important. And I would never like even really want to go back and <laughs> read it. <unless laughs> right. I just wanted to have a window into my brain that day because that's all it is. 
Um, but, but the fact is that it's there for when I am having something I need to process more deeply, and that way I don't, it doesn't just kind of, when I have things like that, they don't just, um, sort of stagnate or build up inside myself. I, I have a place where I can kind of process it because, Maria, you and I have talked about this before that I'm an external processor, so yep. that's something that's really helped me to realize about myself, because I... I just ever since I was little, I've just talked to myself a lot, and so <laughs> when I talk or when I write, it helps me even kind of figure out what I think of, or feel about things sometimes. And so, for me, morning pages are very helpful for just kind of getting those things articulated in a way that then I can act on them if necessary, or I just um, become aware of how it is that I think or feel or believe about something. Yeah, I know so we've had that conversation before. Like my husband's like, so do you need me for this conversation? And I'm like, I guess not. I think I'm, I think I'm okay. I got it. <laughs> That's so great. My, yeah. So my husband, a lot of the times he's like, are you talking to me or do you want me to hear what you're saying? And I'll be like, no, I guess not. I'm just, I'm just kind of working something out. And so, yeah, I think that that's just, once I kind of been able to name that about myself it's been helpful because um yeah it just helps me to kind of know that that's the way I am and my husband is not you know things come out of him fully formed like he's you know like it's just he doesn't even need to hedge or just like complete coherent sentences yeah (laughs) like complex sentences you're like oh was- it's baffling and they're full sentences that don't start and then go somewhere different and then you know he doesn't say like a lot of ums or like or I mean or you know what I'm saying like you know he doesn't yeah but you know these things but I do like every you know and now everybody will be listening for it I know. it's so funny when that happens <laughs> so so but yeah so I think for me sort of the everyday creativity creativity part would be morning pages but then when I get an idea for something I can also work it out in that space and time if I if I do have it um there's period of time that I had nap time available to me you know in between the children and they go through different stages sometimes I have um you know 20-30 minutes in the afternoon to do some type of creative thinking or working or whatever a lot of the time in the evening by that time I'm too tired you know to actually you know, create or produce anything in the way of like, um, for me, it generally tends to be simple poetry. Um, I don't do a lot of visual art, but, um, I do sewing and that is something I can do in the evening because it's relaxing. It doesn't take a whole lot of concentration for the types of things that I sew. But yeah, I think, um, there's, there's a couple of different ways, but a lot of the time it's just nuts and bolts, you know, putting together schedules and logistics, uh, is how I kind of, look at things creatively these days. (laughs) I think that's one of the, the, I mean, there's lots of reasons like why I like hanging out with you and, you know, I I value like the time we spend together, but I think it's important for creative people to spend time with creative people. And a lot of the times, like not that my friends or other people are not creative, which, you know, they are, but I think it takes a particular kind of creative person to want to figure out those problems and not just take the solutions that other people have brought on like oh you need that like what do you just do x y and z and you're like right yes that's helpful and I also want to figure it out myself because that's part of the process and it helps I think 
it helps us process things of, you know, what's working, what's not, our children are different, you know, it's, right. and it's hard to explain that to people who are not really as creative or value that as, as much as, you know, sure. like you and I do. Um, I do have to mention too, that your the poem, the poem that you did last time when we did, uh, what was that called? The new muse that we did with the, the fourth trimester. Right, um, right. I wore my shirt just so you could yeah, see it today. I noticed that. <laughs> um, you did that poem that went with your cycle. Yeah. And uh, it was really, I, I did it for my last cycle. Oh, like I, I sat down and I was like, all right, Keely did it. I, I have like an end goal because I like mini projects. It's, yeah. Because there's think a about, start and an end. Yes, and know. it's very, it has enough parameters where I won't get distracted, mm -hmm. but there's flexibility within it, which I'm realizing is something that I need, that dichotomy of like your structure, but not so much where it's limiting you. Um, so Kelly mentioned this uh, poem that she did and she shared it with us. And then I was like, I have to do it. So for each day of your cycle, like day one, you write one word, day two, you write two words, day three. And then at the end, you have this whole poem. Plus, and you also know what kind of cycle you have because I'm still, you know, <laughs> postpartum. I'm like, so how many days? I don't know. Um, but I did it and I didn't, I, I don't know how to describe this. By the end, I had such short snippets of the things that I value or the problems that came up during that month. Yeah. And it was so valuable to me. And not that I'll like ever really share it with anybody, maybe you, but like, you know, like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing poetry ever. It was just yeah, like- no, neither was mine as you know. But, it, but the way yours came out, I was just like, oh my God, that's like, it reflects so much of what every day is like. Yeah. Being a mom of young kids, a creative person who has something to say. Like, I guess it gave me the words to say without me realizing that those were the words I wanted to say. Too much um, pressure, right. Yeah, so I just, I wanted to share that with people in case someone wants to try yeah. it. I just really appreciate that feedback. Um, and then kind of to jumpstart to my next question, it helped me reflect a lot on like motherhood and like my biggest struggles and my biggest wins come from that role I play as a mother, um, you know, as a wife and whatever. But mm -hmm. so what are your most challenging moments in motherhood? And what are some of your, I know there's so, so many, um, and what are some of like your, like the biggest wows or most amazing moments in motherhood? Yeah. Well, so this week is really a microcosm of that motherhood experience because it's been such a transition um, back <clears throat> into our life here. We were visiting family for two months in North Carolina, um, partly because of, you know, uh, circumstances around COVID. Our family is still being very careful, and so we weren't going to be going to pools or, you know, um, uh, gyms or, or indoor play places, these types of things, and then it's so hot, you know, so between those two things and our families basically being like, yes, come stay, <laughs> we were like, okay, my husband's schedule is such that he can work from wherever and so can I, um, as a lot of people, you know, have sort of transitioned during the, during the pandemic time, so we did it last summer and it worked out well. So we tried it this summer as well, and it was different because the kids, you know, are in different stages, but they adjusted pretty well overall I would say the most difficult logistical thing was our two-year-old's sleep so that's still kind of ironing itself out and that's okay It'll be fine. <laughs> I know you know from the perspective of somebody that's got three um, and you can identify with this as well our kids they ad they adapt you know and they transition it might take longer than we would like but it does happen you know eventually, eventually so. yeah <laughs> yeah it does um, so this week has been you know um, 
kind of jumping back in, especially with school, which I think has been good in some ways, you know, because if, if all three of them were around all day and we're inside because of the heat and everything, and like I just said, we're not going, you know, um, anywhere fun, basically, um, it would have been more challenging, I think, you know, in that way. But all that to say, I think um, it's been, uh, you know, as a result of getting back into school so quickly and the transition being so short, we literally flew back last Sunday and they started, you know, Monday. And so... Um, uh, especially my middle, my middle girl is just very, um, she is a highly sensitive person, you know, to go on with this, um, theme of your podcast. She just feels things very, very deeply and, um, and, and very immediately. And so, so she's been reacting to things a lot this week, which is to be totally expected, but doesn't necessarily add to, let's just say the harmony of the household. <laughs> and so <laughs> That's a great way to put it. In some ways, it's been a little tricky, right? Because she, um, she's the sort she bumps herself on the coffee table, and it's a huge deal, you know. And again, it's almost like being able to name myself as an external processor. Being able to name her as a highly sensitive person has been super helpful for me. It's I realized these traits of hers, but I did not realize, you know, I didn't name it as such, and that's been very helpful for me in kind of. Uh, helping to understand and guide her a bit and I'm gonna say like everything that you post about being a highly sensitive person you know it's okay to say no you know hold your boundaries or these sorts of things um, it's okay to feel deeply like it is all very much um, it's not an indictment to me but like it's definitely like challenges me to to see that in her because that's just the way she's always been and so what what is beautiful about that is that when she is happy, it is crazy happy. It's like you know, and we've had some some really obscene giggling fits this week <laughs> because yeah, just like everything's on supercharged, you know, um, because of as I say, getting back into the rhythm and stuff, and being in our own house and all of this, which we haven't been for what feels like so long to her um, and to me too, you know, in some ways. Um, but when she gets upset, you know, then again, you know, it's, it's a, a, the same um, math applies there where it can be very challenging to kind of get over it. Um, but she, when she passes it, she passes it fully and it's done, you know. And not everybody is built that way, but that's just the way she is, you know. And, um, and when I say that, I do mean my oldest child is not built that way. So <laughs> she builds slowly and she lets go slowly. And Catherine is just like a different type of trajectory. And it's okay because both of them teach us so much. And then my, my husband and I identify with each of them in different ways as well. Um, and so, and, and then um, and then you have Joel who just is floating on the emotions of everybody and kind of trying to be a big guy. He's a big guy, life. yeah. <laughs> so cute. But so I would say like um, the biggest challenges this week are are those sort of emotional ups and downs and the tantrums that occur because I'm I'm more of an even tempered sort of person where I don't really like conflict I don't really like having a shouting match I don't want to you know be angry at somebody or get really emotional about something um, and I generally just kind of don't um, and it's not <clears throat> because I'm uh, suppressing anything it's just not my personality I, I kind of always been that way but um, I, you know, have been able to appreciate that about Catherine, that there's that 
release valve, you know, and that she just so adeptly employs whenever she gets to be too much. She is just, there it is, you know, she, she lets you know for sure. Yeah. She just goes ahead and, and there's that valve in it. And it, honestly, the other night at dinner, we had this group just giggling fish. Everybody was laughing to tears, you know, and I don't even know what brought it on really, but I was looking around thinking, this is what we needed. You know, I'd rather it be this than a group shouting match, you know, where everybody's crying and we definitely had a, um, a multiple crying situation <laughs> several times this week too, mainly our youngest two, um, members, but, um, <laughs> you know, but then also there's been these really beautiful times, you know, um, because our children are all snugglers, you know, and I'm a snuggler. And so when when they're peaceful and when they feel, you know, like, hey, I have a minute and they want to climb in the bed and snuggle up, like, that's always really beautiful to me. And it, there was a period of time where the girls were too busy, you know, and they didn't do that because they just had little things to do all the time. But now the oldest one likes to read in the bed with me, you know, and, and Catherine's gotten kind of more snuggly since she's gotten less busy with her toddler tasks, you know, and, um, Joel is still nursing, you know, so that's kind of built in as well. There's that, like, you're always connected somehow. So I think when you have that physical moment of like yeah. physical connection, it's a reminder of like, wow, these are always going to be my babies. Like right. they're, we're yeah. always going to be to get together, connected in some way. I think, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I so appreciate your feedback about the highly sensitive stuff too, because mm-hmm. like when I share that stuff, I think about adults, like the highly yeah. sensitive adults. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, if we had known these things right. and I, not that I always forget, but I don't push past that feeling yet to think about the children that we're impacting. And so I right. like to hear that feedback and to be like, wow, like maybe we didn't get the chance to grow up in this a certain environment, but Right. Now that these parents are learning about highly sensitive people, their children will be able to, and wow, that's a gift. Like what, what an amazing thing for Catherine to feel, you know, to have a safe space to release all that pent up emotion and to do her thing and get over it quickly. And then just, you know, have a giggling fit with you guys. Like that's right, going right. to really impact the way that she views the world. And I think, I think that's awesome. So I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing that. Well, and I, I mean, I will say that I do find a lot of benefit in the things you post as well, even for myself, you know, because especially, I mean, I'm just going to go here, like as a woman in the patriarchy, like you do, you have to find those boundaries and uphold them for yourself because nobody else is going to do that, you know, Um, and even if you have the most uh, sensitive and caring husband or partner or whatever, um, that person cannot do that for you cannot find where your boundaries feel good and healthy and appropriate and uphold them for you. I mean, you know, it is a joint endeavor. Um, you will say, well, it needs to be here. And they will say, could it be here? Is that okay? And you find a place, you know, in the middle someplace sometimes that works for both of you. But that said, like that person is, it's not their job and they're not going to uphold them for you, you know? And so I see those things as a very intense and and useful reminder to me to do that for myself and my extension for my whole family for my marriage and for my family because if I don't keep those boundaries I know what sort of mother and wife I'm gonna be you know and so they benefit from my taking that time when it's that it goes back to that like children don't learn by or they don't by what you say but by what you do and you're like dang it 
I always yeah. hate that sometimes, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Gonna lead into my next question and the last one uh, for this interview, which is how, how do you say we can encourage um, the next generation of children to grow up and live authentically, like to be true to who they are? Yeah. Well, I love that question because it's something that's, it, it is a big motivator for me as a mother. Um, I think a lot of us want our children to be independent, want them to be kind, um, want them to be, you know, feel creative. And I think for me, I would add to that list authentic for sure, because um, what they bring to the world is something that they bring and maybe nobody else does. And so I have to sort of, it, it's a balance of my children need to be able to eat with a fork and a spoon, sit at a table, wear clothes, use a toilet, you know, <laughs> these types of things are non-negotiables. <laughs> but beyond that, it's like, what does it matter what time they wake up if they can be quiet and, you know, do something on their own for a while? What does it matter what they choose to wear to school? What kind of shoes, as long as they're whatever, closed toed, I think they're supposed to be for the playground. For safety <laughs> reasons, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and so, like, what does it matter if they, you know, don't want to eat their applesauce and they want to trade that for potatoes with their brother or, you know, whatever it is, which is kind of interesting. We've been doing a lot of that this week because I'm like, as long as it all gets eaten, I really don't care who eats what. And, <laughs> and so they're all at ages where they can kind of do that now, and that's fine with me. Um, you know, and I think by, you know, as, as they get older, it's going to be things like, what does it matter whether they want to play violin like I did growing up? If they want to do violin lessons, that's okay. Like, I'm okay with that, you know? Well, uh, what does it matter if they'd rather do swimming or gymnastics or whatever it is that, you know, maybe Jason and I did, maybe we didn't do, you know? Um, I think that encouraging our children to sort of find whatever it is that lights their fire is is going to be, it's already important, it's going to be as they grow and sort of develop their, their young adult identities, you know, um, their preteen and adolescent identities, you know, and so I want, uh, at this point, it's very much a groundwork situation, um, mm. laying it at, at age eight, five, two, you know, where they understand that they can be open about whatever it is they're thinking or feeling, they can share that with us, um, and, and we'll be, um, affirming in whatever ways they're appropriate, you know, um, Obviously, if they have some type of, um, you know, idea that is that is just wrong or is ignorant or shows some type of um, unhealthy bias or something, we can guide them in those ways. But when it comes to personal preference and opinion, I think that it's never really too early to foster that um, in the confines of what practically needs to happen in the life of a home. <laughs> right, saying. yeah. It's not a free-for-all, yeah. It's fine <laughs> that you feel like you don't need to wear a diaper right now, but you do, <laughs> you know, these kinds of things that are non-negotiable at this point yet. And so um, I, I really love that question, and I'm not sure that I'm really answering it well. But I think um, it, it, for me, pr most practically, I'll tell you this. This weekend, our living room has been transformed into an animal vet clinic. Um, <laughs> and so there are stuffed animals everywhere and Julie got this book with like signage and she cut it all out and taped it up and it's all on the like entertainment center on the wall and there's a little reception desk made out of a stool that we've needed all week but there it is it's been used as a desk and you know um these types of things that uh it's okay because that's that's a creative endeavor for her and it's fun and it keeps them engaged and when I see her 
using up all of my scotch tape and all of my duct tape and all of my, you know, um, <laughs> I look around and how many times have I said, where are the scissors, you know, um, if I had a dollar, right, for every time. <laughs> you buy all the scotch tape you need, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but those are things that, again, like, they foster her creativity and that's who she is at this point. Like, that's very, very central to her identity is to have um, the freedom and the materials to to do those types of projects, you know? And, and it doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but then if somebody had told me, no, you can't play music right now, you know, how would that have felt, you know? And so it's sort of figuring out how to, um, you know, facilitate those creative impulses that she has. She's really the one yet. I mean, Catherine, of course, does have those types of things too, but a lot of the time it falls within that same groove that Julia, you know, has at this age. And so um, it, it really helps pave the way, I think, for what Catherine feels creatively too. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think being willing to be flexible about space and, and time, but also- Logistics earlier, of it, yeah. Right, but as I said earlier, of course, uphold those boundaries so that by Sunday evening, it all gets put away, you know, because I can't go through the week, you know, tiptoeing around these jars of cotton balls or whatever she's, <laughs> you know, which is sweet. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest parenting lessons that I'm, I'm figuring out as I go here is that, I don't know, maybe growing up, I had the assumption that our parents help shape who we are. Mm -hmm. from what I saw and mm -hmm. having now a child who is, you know, well, I have two, but the oldest one, Diego, he's definitely highly sensitive. And I talked about this in the podcast before and what an eye-opening experience it has been to just say he is who he is. And there's no changing that. Like no matter how many times I've tried to approach things different ways, like they're just things about him that yeah. make him who he is. And why would I even want to change that? And that's right is so different from my husband and I in so many ways. Right. And like our children are not an extension of who we are. And I think that's oh, like that's a so huge true. like shift that we're going through, you know, like globally or whatever. Like we're right. really starting to see that. Like you're not like the family name. And right. what a beautiful thing that is because we get to interact with a whole new person that doesn't have all the biases and, you know, like patriarchy like you say like <laughs> we can kind of start fresh with that right, too right. and get yeah, to know yeah. them and see the connections that they make like you know when Diego and um Catherine were in class together and like <laughs> by the way she misses him so much oh, he's so like been brought to tears a couple times this oh week. yeah no he's like it's nice but I really miss my friend like he's kind of <laughs> yeah. you know he's like that big kid now but also yeah. like he misses his little buddies and right. it's, it's really sweet to watch but I think Kind of to go back in a circle is to say that I think our kids learn to live authentically based on what they see. Mm -hmm. And so when your kids see you doing your morning pages or they see that you're taking time for yourself or they see that, wow, my mom is creative in this other way or my dad with his photography, which I really want to see the pictures, by the way, I just didn't post on, on that link. <laughs> um, <laughs> like they see that by example and then they in return do that in their own way so I think that mm -hmm. that's what's really humbling about it mm -hmm. well and it gives them yeah. language to to do that when I say listen I need five more minutes I'm going to be done with my writing and they know my writing like they know <laughs> that's what I do in the morning if I'm doing it um then that's time that I kind of need to finish it and to do it myself you know and that gives them language so that they can say 
I'm super duper close to being done. Just this morning, you know, Catherine, it was time for her to take her bath. And she was like, I'm super duper close. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, <laughs> here I was, you know, because I kind of had told her three minutes earlier. I was like, okay, can you find a stopping place? You know, but it's, it's as a parent, it's about having respect for that too, you know, because I want to not be bothered when I'm doing a thing, you know, and it's being able to kind of, I think really what it boils down to what I'm hearing you say and what I think, um, you know, I've kind of come upon myself too is our children are humans, right? right. <laughs> you know, they're humans, they, and I saw a quote a long time ago, and I think this was probably in a book about sleep training or something, <laughs> which was like, um, you know, our, our children aren't inconveniences to be managed. Um, they're humans to be raised, you know? And I think that a lot of the shift that you're talking about here in parenting is seeing our children as, as full humans. And I think, I don't know that this is true, but I, I feel like in other societies, sometimes we're kind of gathering some of those things in Western culture that have been present in other, uh, what feels like anyway, from, from the outsider's view, you know, when you're looking at Papua New Guinea or wherever it is, you know, Indonesia, I think maybe the, the kids don't touch the ground until they're three-year-olds or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, they, they have this intense um, village around, around parenting and child raising. And so, you know, I think we're kind of picking and choosing in a way that uh, may or may not be problematic, but I do think that there's nothing wrong with sort of saying, hey, um, these other cultures really value their children a lot in ways that I don't see in Western culture. I don't see, um, you know, that happening. I mean, obviously when, with the, with the sleep training industry, you know, I mean, it's something that's, we, we've got to hammer our children into some type of shape that we can deal with as opposed to kind of, um, transitioning to where it's a, a give and take, you know? And I think that, um, this is a little bit far field, but I will say this right quick. <laughs> I saw an article a couple weeks ago on adult child estrangement, you know, and you have it so much more in our generation. And I think that's because adults are realizing these things that you're talking about, Maria, and how, how our childhood was much like our parents, but the world around it has changed so much. And we're, we're learning these ideas from other cultures and other places in ways that we didn't, you know, before. And so we're implementing them in our parenting, you know, in ways that I think are new and, and innovative and creative. And uh, hopefully going to bear good fruit, you know. Cross your fingers for that one. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add about creativity, motherhood, you know, future? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, you know, this is, I could go probably a, a while, but I really appreciate the chance to talk with you about it. And um, I really, I, you know, I've just been um, so encouraged by your friendship and by your work on, on the highly sensitive and also with your Spanish uh, <laughs> instruction too. We've I'm really so happy you got that chorus. I, like when you send me those pictures, I'm like, this is, per I mean, it just, you create something and then you have hopes for it. Yeah. But then like something actually happens that's not unexpected, but not, I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, people will learn Spanish. I just, when I saw your pictures of like the three different ways you guys had done the creativity work or whatever, and I'm like, that's like it in a nutshell. Like, it really is. That's what creativity does for people. Well, and it's really fun. And, um, you know, I think as a creative person, you put stuff out there thinking, I mean, honestly, what motivates you to keep putting it out there is internal. Is it not, you know, that I did this and I, I won't be myself if I don't put it out there. And so when somebody actually catches the ball, as it were, you're like, you're like Whoa, oh, this yeah. is a cool feeling. <laughs> it is. So I really appreciate that feedback. Um, yeah. yeah. And it kind of, 
I'll talk to you about this some other time too. And I'm like, I'm, <laughs> it helps you learn so much about yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, like where to go next. And I'm just, I'm excited. I think I obviously believe in like the universe and that things happen for a reason. And I think about, you know, Diego going to this specific school and like the mm-hmm. people I've met because of it and like yeah. the conversations we've had and like even just sitting right. here right now today, like who's going to hear this conversation and what are they going right. to get from it? Like, these are all just kind of little like nuggets of gold that we yeah. collect along the way. And I'm just really grateful yeah. that you agreed to do this and <laughs> share some of your experience. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Um, so I'll end the interview now, but I will see you next week sometime. I don't know. Diego was too cool for me to get out of the car now. I don't know if I told you that. He's like, no, just drop me off. Don't get out of the car. I'll get in the car. I'm like, I want to talk to the other parents. Like, so transitions, you know, big, he's a big guy now. That's right. That's right. He is. All right. Well, I hope you have a great Sunday and I'll talk to you later. Okay. Talk to you later, Maria. Bye. Bye.